so I've made it the final episode of National Fertility Awareness Week of the Fertility Podcast of season two. Every day this week I've put out an episode. If this is the first one that you are listening to, why not have a listen back, which you can do via the fertilitypodcast.com website. Or if you've subscribed, then hopefully it'll be in your feed on iTunes or Stitcher or Spreaker. Now I was quite chuffed to get my next guest Louise Brown, the first IVF baby, because I got my hands on a copy of her book, a pretty remarkable story of what her mum and dad had to go through after she was born in the late 70s. Full on media interest, worldwide tour, treatment of celebrities. They weren't a family used to the attention, of course, just a normal family. And they weren't really treated or looked after that well, her mum and dad. But Louise is going to chat to me a bit about her book and the certain things from reading it that I was keen to quiz her on. So do have a listen. Welcome to the Fertility Podcast. Thank you for having me. To be completely honest with you, I didn't know who you were until I went to Bourne Hall to have fertility treatments and saw the picture on the wall of you <laughs> as a baby. So for me, it's quite surreal talking to you because my little boy, because I was successful with my treatment and my little boy is asleep next door and I actually read your book whilst jigging him to sleep, <laughs> reading your book in a sleep, saying to him, I'm reading about a lady who was made the same way as you. What I, what I'd really like to talk to you about, and, and you're going to hate me for saying this, I'm going to call you the first celebrity of IVF because the book talks about the parties, the okay wedding. But what I'm really keen to talk about is what you think if you as the first IVF baby were born today in our celebrity obsessed world with social media being crazy, what do you think that would be like? Hmm, that's an interesting one. Back then, I suppose my mum and dad obviously found it quite surreal being normal and then all of a sudden being on every newspaper. I suppose with celebrities, they, they sort of choose to be famous, don't they? Whereas obviously mum and dad just wanted a baby. I know it's a bit of a tricky one. I was just thinking about it as well. Because we're so obsessed with everything today when it comes to tweeting or Facebooking, I just couldn't imagine if the first IVF baby appeared today. I mean, the detail from I know material that was kept by your mum and of, of how you were hounded and all that you went on the trips around the world I almost think it might be twice as much yeah because everybody sort of communicates through Twitter and Facebook now so but in a way maybe it might have been a bit easier because you wouldn't have had maybe the journalists outside the house they'd be trying to get onto a Twitter account or Facebook and maybe your mum and dad wouldn't have had to go to Japan they could have just Skyped the Japanese journal mind you the, the language barrier would have been a problem wouldn't yeah it? my mum and dad weren't <laughs> weren't up on any of this sort of social media now it was bad enough trying to get my mum to record anything on a video player <laughs> i just can't imagine yeah i just i don't know perhaps maybe the, all the hype it would have been over sort of quicker yeah because they would have seen a picture they would have tweeted it same with facebook they would have people would have shared it the news um, articles would have been on and perhaps maybe all the hype would have been over faster maybe easier yeah maybe who knows mm, yeah do you think, Louise, it matters if you tell your baby or not how they were made? Um, well, mum and dad told me when just before I went to school when I was four. Um, and when I had my son, although he's obviously not IVF, um, he sort of wondered when he was aware, he wondered why everybody wanted to take pictures of us and... Um, and I had to explain to him, sort of, I said, I, I said to um, my son, I said, um... Nanny had problems having mummy, so um, the two men, Bob Edwards and Patrick Stepto, helped Nanny 
and Grandad had me. And that, I mean, he's eight now, so that's as far as I've got on that score. But, I mean, children are, are knowing a lot earlier now. Um, and I think I think they sort of have a right to know. Okay. And it's not a bad, it's, I mean, it's not anything to be ashamed of. It's not a bad thing. Um, it's quite a special thing. So, yeah, I think they should be told. I ask because one of the interviews that I've done, because this week, obviously, being National Fertility Awareness Week, I've been putting out an interview every day. And there was a lady that I chatted to who's in Mexico, who's written books for children, stories of how you tell, for you to read, you know, to your kids as to how you were made, whether it be from IVF or surrogacy or adoption. And it's a lovely book. And I was just interested in, in your thoughts, obviously, being at the forefront of you you knew because you, you didn't have a choice, so it's quite yeah. fascinating. I mean, so I mean, yeah. you can look at it on some some respects that, um, I mean, people in school they weren't horrible to me, but they used to say, "Oh, is your?" Because obviously it was not known back then, and they used to say, "Oh, is your dad actually your dad?" And I'm like, "Yeah, of course, of course he is." And obviously, there's different treatments you can get, and obviously, like this surrogacy and donor sperm and everything like that. But the way I used to look on it. It's, I know mum and dad really, really wanted me. And I sort of, whatever anybody says, I look back and I think, well, I was really wanted. Um, And I'm not saying anybody born naturally isn't wanted. um, But it's just a nice feeling that I sort of, it makes me feel better sometimes. Yeah, I get it. Now, in the book, the detail of what your mum and dad went through on the showing the world you, their miracle baby, is, is just incredible. And I'm interested in talking about the parties that you got to enjoy, from the parties at Bourne Hall and Thorpe Park to your 30th birthday. Tell me a bit about that. My 30th, that was... I, I, got get, I, get, I get confused. It's all right. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I've got Brazil, so let's go with Brazil. Yeah, that was that was something completely mad. Brazil's a lovely country, and people were so friendly. There was the language barrier, but I don't know. There's just something about when people that have been involved with IVF all get together. It's just it's just mad. It's like an unspoken bond. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, and even my wife physically not gone through the IVF process it's lovely hearing everybody's stories and the fact that it's sort of almost the other side of the world and the stories are all very similar because yeah the Brazil was the 30th anniversary of the conception um in November we went when that's why I got a bit confused right because that was when mum found out that she was pregnant with me whereas the following July I would have been 30. Yeah they found a reason to have a party didn't they? Yeah yeah can you remember what you wrote about the monkeys at breakfast <laughs> that was when they used to come down on cameron's high chair because cameron was only about between six and nine months old at the time and they used to come down to his high chair and nip the little croissants and that and he used to <laughs> he used to love it and he's animal mad now oh <laughs> it's a lovely story that blame the people of brazil <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned the bonds that you felt there and you touched on Bulgaria. So I want to just talk about Bulgaria because what happened um, as a result of you and your mum's visit just was remarkable. One of the stats that I got from your book was how after your visit, there was the information sent about funding in 22 Bulgarian cities for IVF treatment. Now, in the UK, only 
38 of our councils fund IVF. So that's remarkable. The catalyst, really, that you and your mum's visit was for the for the funding of treatment over there. Yeah, I mean, it was fantastic. When people say to me, oh, come over, we'd like you to help. And I think, well, why would anybody be interested in sort of like me helping? I, I can't do anything but obviously our presence there and they had that was where they had the 30th birthday party for me it was just amazing and it's such a nice feeling to know that we've helped people that I don't even know to have families now people have to read the book to hear exactly kind of what went on because I know your husband was on the telly as well and that was quite significant I want you to tell me about the lady that you saw in the in the hospital. Yeah. In Bulgaria. Yeah, we were um, having a tour of the hospital that they've not long opened up over there. This is the second time I went to Bulgaria. And I'd seen a couple of little babies that had just been born through IVF. And we were just sort of going around and they were showing me the different floors. And there was a lady walking along with her hospital gown on and she'd literally just given birth. And um, I think she must have said to the doctor, oh, who's this? And um, they told her and she just came over. She hugged me. She said, thank you. And she gave me a kiss. And it was like I was almost in tears crying. It's so lovely. What an amazing, though, sharing of a moment. Yeah, it was lovely. And I, and I looked round and sort of my mum was like, and I was almost crying. And she said, you all right? I said, yeah. <laughs> it Very was amazing. Special. Now, we're going to go from that amazing moment to another, because I was chuckling when I was reading about you take that obsession, because I was, I'm only, I'm a year older than you, so I was an equally obsessed to take that, and I was a Robbie fan though, whilst you were a Mark Owen fan. Tell me about when you finally met Mark Owen. I thought it wasn't going to happen, because you don't, you don't reveal it till the end of the book, and I was like, surely she met Mark. Tell me what happened. I've actually met Mark twice. It was on a bit of a sad occasion the first time I met him. Um, He did a a solo gig in Bristol, and I'd gone down with my little group of friends that I sort of go on tour with, and we were queuing there. We were at the front of the queue, ready to go in, and I had a phone call from my niece saying that my my older sister, Sharon, had been taken really poorly. She'd been having um, treatment for breast cancer, but she'd taken a turn for the worst, and we had to go up there. So I said to my friends, I said, oh, look, I said, I don't know if I'm going to make it back I said um I will try and get back so anyway to cut a long story short I had to go at the hospital um it was touch and go whether she was actually going to survive so it was sort of a touch and go shall I am I going to get there am I not going to get there and it was quite ironic because she's the one that actually bought me my ticket Mm. and she used to say to me she said you and bloody Mark Owen she said you and take that she said oh so it was a sort of standing joke. So when I went up there, she was sort of out of it. And I said to her, I said, Sharon, I said, why have you got to do this now? I said, you bought me the ticket to see Mark. I said, I'm going to see him. And she sort of grunted and laughed. Anyway, to cut a long story short, she sort of got over that little bit. And um, I ended up going, I went back down to the queue. Instead of queuing all day, I only had to get to queue for sort of two hours. So that was quite good in a way. Um, and because my husband's a local doorman, he knew the person on the door. So we got to go, me and my friends got to go in first and we just stood there waiting for about 20 minutes with no one else around us. And then we came in, um, he had the gig. Um, I had my phone on me because obviously I said to anybody, anything happens, I said, phone me. And I said, I'll be straight back at the hospital. So we got out, um, the gig ended and it was a brilliant gig. Um, and my friend had her car there and we're sat in her car and um, she said, that's Mark Owen in that car behind. I said, is it? 
He said, yeah, that's Mark Owen. So off she goes following him up the motorway, up the M32, onto the M4. And she said, he's going to stop. He's going to stop. Pardon? You chased him. Well, I did. I was sat half asleep in the car thinking, should I really be doing this? My sister's like terminally ill. Should I be going? So anyway, we, um, (laughs) we eventually they went to pull in in Reading Services. So we sort of pulled in behind them, went to one side and he went to the other. And um, we're sort of women and Alan. We got out of the car and I was like, oh, let's just pretend we're going to the toilet. <laughs> so we um, walked in the, into Reading Services one way and we could see his car over the other side. And we thought, oh, we'll come through those doors. Anyway, instead of coming through those doors, he walked all the way around. So he came in behind us and then he just went, hello, girls. And we were like, is he talking to us? Is he talking to us? <laughs> and um, he said, oh, he said, um, he said, we said, oh, can we have a photo? And um, so off, he said, oh, can I just go away a minute? So off he went to the toilet and we were just like sort of stood there. There's two builders um, having something to eat, but it was, it was like two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so we, there was these two builders having something to eat and they were laughing at us. And me and my friends are going, he's going to the toilet. He's going to the toilet. And I'm like, yeah. So he came back out anyway. He signed our tickets, and we had. That was when I had pictures with him. That was when I was seven months pregnant. Right. Um. And um. Of course, my friends was like, oh, do you know who this is? Do you know who this is? And I'm like, shut up, shut up. So they said, oh, um, Louise Brown, the world's first test tube baby. And he was going, really? Is it? Is that you? I said, yeah. And I Love was it. really quite embarrassed then. <laughs> but you met him. Yeah, I met him. After Finally. Odd years. Wow. So Dedication. <laughs> now, one of the meeting that I just want to touch upon before I let you go is the meeting of uh, yourselves and your family and, and Martin Powell, who I know worked with you on the book and, and, and works with you now. And, and the story, obviously, of your parents and your family, there's such sadness along with the joy in there. And what I just wanted to ask was, do you wish that your late mum and dad had someone like Martin looking looking out for them when they went on the journey that they went on? Definitely, yes. Yeah, it's actually quite funny because I met Martin through my father-in-law. My father-in-law used to work on the Bristol Post, same as Martin did years ago. That was how we got to, in touch with Martin. Mum was about, and um, dad had sadly died by the time we'd met Martin, but mum was about, and um, mum was very wary of people because of what had happened previously. Understandably. And she was quite a shy, I mean, she wasn't shy to me, but around people she didn't know, she, she was quite sort of shy and wary. But she did like Martin, so I'm pleased, and I'm so pleased with how the book's gone and what he's done with everything. He's fantastic. Good. It's good to know that there's someone like him looking out for you. And I know that there's the little bit at the end where Martin talks about his involvement and and the kind of information that he found. I'm assuming that your mum must have kept a journal because there's such detail with the different places you went and the finance. Was she meticulous in in noting everything? It's it's quite funny because she just kept every single letter, good and bad. I mean, there wasn't very, very a lot of bad stuff, but she just kept everything card luckily we started all the book before mum passed away so martin was able to talk to mum about a lot of the early stuff but when i was clearing her house out i i phoned martin i said martin i said i don't know if, if this will be any use to you i said but there is so much letters and well letters saying she was initially pregnant i mean it's right. all like 36 and a half years old i mean it's amazing what she kept and how she kept it yeah 
I mean, I knew she had cards, scrapbooks with cards in, but I didn't realise she quite had as much as she did. Well, and it makes what we already know is an amazing story even more amazing. Louise, I won't keep you any longer because it's your your Monday night, <laughs> my Monday night, and um, I just want to say thank you very much. It's been lovely chatting to you. The book's great, and I will be kept up with Martin. Okay. We're going to get you to sign some books for um, some people for the Fertility Podcast. I thought what I might get them to do is tell me who they had on their wall, along with your um, obsession with Mark Owen. I'm going to see if I can get people to admit who was their posters on their wall to get book. <laughs> I thought that might be quite funny. Yeah, that would be good. You take care, and um, it's been lovely chatting. Okay, brilliant. Thank you, Natalie. All right, take care. Bye. Bye. That's it then. The end of season two for the Fertility Podcast. Thank you to all my guests. Thank you for listening. I really hope you've enjoyed this season. Do let me know your feedback on the fertilitypodcast.com. You can also review this podcast, which I'd really, really appreciate on iTunes. You can rate and review it. It's a really big thing to actually get your thoughts on iTunes as it means that this podcast gets more and more popular. Now, I'm going to take a couple of weeks off to get ready for season three of the Fertility Podcast, which is going to be focused on dealing with fertility treatment at work. Now, maybe it's something you're going through right now. I'd be really interested in how you're dealing with it, who you've told. Have you told your boss or are you working with HR? It's a tricky one because you've just got to carry on as normal in some respects when you've got so much going on. Maybe having to do your injections in the work loo. Oh, just things you've got to do. Maybe you've managed to time getting home from work so that you meet that window for when you have your injections. So much to think about. Hopefully, we can address some of the issues that might be affecting you if you're embarking on your journey. Uh, do get in touch. Info at thefertilitypodcast.com if you're interested in telling me your story. You can tweet me at fertilitypoddy. Thank you, thank you, thank you once again for your support and I will be back very soon.